Kalofalava waunei o Koroi Hawkins usimaya laufa fofonga in the Pacific Waves RNZ Pacifica. Coming up first... I don't know, believe that you need consent from either partner to indulge in family planning. Controversy in Fiji over women's right to contraception. Uh, this stuff is the most important to have with uh, family at Samoa. Samoa's Prime Minister visits RSC workers and employers in Hawke's Bay. So they're going to start officially with the opening ceremony on the 17th, at actual games on the 16th, and then the 25th. And later on in the programme, we catch up with our correspondent in Saipan, where the Pacific mini-games are about to start. Fiji's health minister has been urged to explain his stance on whether he believes a woman's body is the property of her husband. A number of married women in Nairai district have been taking contraceptive implants in their arms without the knowledge of their husbands, and the matter was raised by a group of married men during a council consultation in Fiji last week. Elisha Foon has more. I don't know, believe that you need consent from either partner to indulge in family planning. If a guy needs a vasectomy or if a lady needs a family planning method, you don't need, you just need to discuss it through. And it would be good for any family dynamic for the family planning practitioner to have demonstrated that the couple have come to some agreement about it, that it's part of their whole family planning plan. Fiji's Health Secretary General, Dr. James Fong, coming to the defence of his counterpart after a controversial consultation on contraception last week. Married men in a Lomaiviti Provincial Council meeting complained to Minister for Health and Medical Services, Dr. Efereme Wagi Nabete, about their wives using contraception without their knowledge. Although Dr. Wagaina Bete didn't respond to at least a dozen phone call attempts by RNZ Pacific, Dr. James Fong tried to clear things up on his behalf. He says despite not being present, he had listened to a recording of the meeting and clarified the minister's response and stance. It had absolutely nothing to do with consent. It was about both partners being uh, having to discuss family planning options. So my minister just reiterated the vital role that couples' counselling plays in family planning. And then he went on about the fact that he was going to ask the family planning practitioners work with the concept of couples counselling rather than just dealing with one person. The Fiji women's rights movement have been calling for clarification and accountability on the issue. They say women are not the property of their husbands. The group's executive director, Nalini Singh, says the Ministry of Health need to do better at educating men about honouring the views of their wives. There should be dialogue and there should be discourse and the minister must be encouraging that. Because, um, you know, uh, ultimately it's these kinds of things that, you know, breed frustration and lead to violence, um, you know, in, in, in the families. The group says Fiji has one of the highest rates of gender-based violence in the world and more than 60% of Fijian women experience domestic violence at least once in their lifetime. Fiji Women's Crisis Centre coordinator and human rights activist Shamima Ali says family planning and supporting women needs to be a national conversation. We do find women who are not allowed to take contraception. And, uh, you know, women have children one after the other, and particularly with the boy preference. If girls are coming along, then they have to keep getting pregnant till the boy comes along, then they can stop. We need to talk about, uh, you know, patriarchy. We need to talk about the boy preference in our communities, in our societies. Dr. Fong has more than 30 years' experience as an obstetrician and gynaecologist. He says there is a lot more work to be done to improve women's rights in Fiji.
to start looking at uh, strengthening the family unit by ensuring that uh, partner that the marriage partners are both equal partners in any marriage. It requires a number of values that have to be re-explored and re-evaluated and discussed more openly so that uh, both men and women are able to understand what it means to be equal partners. Singing in the orchard, Samoan RSC workers on their last week of the season were today also looking forward to meeting their Prime Minister, Fiamme Naomi Matafa, who travels to Hawke's Bay today and will be there all day Thursday. Fiamme has wrapped up meetings in Wellington and in the Bay will be meeting with workers and industry leaders about the RSC scheme. She will also be meeting with Pacifica health providers. RNZ Pacific reporter Lydia Lewis travelled up ahead of the Samoa PM and her delegation and joins me now. Tell us more about the Prime Minister's schedule in Hawke's Bay. Well, she's just arrived in Hiratonga in Hastings, um, where she is going to be meeting with uh, members of the um, RSC Worker Scheme. Um, She's going to be meeting with the workers themselves and also the industry leaders. This is all going to be um, an informal um, meeting, but an historic one because it's going to be a ava ceremony. So it's my understanding that they're all going to gather tonight at 6pm. They're going to uh, share um, time together, they're going to share their thoughts. Um, but also the the workers that I spoke with today, they're keen to um, to tell the Prime Minister what they've been going through and um, what the work has been like for them while they've been here. Yeah, and you've, you've been through a, a, and spoken to some of these workers. What, what have they been telling you? It really was um, amazing. I, I When we arrived, um, first of all, at this... Um, this orchard here in um, Hiratonga, um, these workers were actually singing before we even spoke with them. They had smiles on their faces, actually, because they're so full of joy to meet the Prime Minister um, of their country here in Aotearoa. Um, I asked one of the workers, who is known as Silao by his colleagues, um, what what he was singing. Um, he didn't tell me the names of the songs, actually, but he was saying that we're singing songs um, of love for their country, for their God, and out of joy for their Prime Minister. A song we are singing about uh, right now, a song we are thank God about this day, and uh, thank God we, this is our last full week for season, season movers. And also thank God for always blessing us with this kind of works and the way we get money for our family waiting for us because there are many months we are coming in New Zealand and that's why we are singing this song this day because thank God for his blessing. He's been here in New Zealand for six months, um, along with the rest of the crew, one of the latest to kind of arrive in New Zealand. But he's got a three-year-old child back in his village um, and and a, and a young family um, who he hasn't seen for six months. And he he really misses them, but he... 
he was proud to be here in New Zealand, proud to be working and sending money back to his family um, and wanted the scheme to continue, which has been a big question looming over these workers' minds. And even um, the head of the group that I spoke to, Solomona, he, he said that he was concerned and had a message for the Prime Minister and was hoping to maybe even voice it tonight at the ceremony. That's the issue. I want to to talk to uh, Prime Minister of Samoa. Uh, this stuff is the most important to help with uh, family at Samoa. Uh, without RC worker coming in New Zealand, I think that there are many families at Samoa no one to cut uh, money to support family at Samoa. But uh, another one issue I want to talk to the Prime Minister of New Zealand, please continue the RBC worker coming every year. And um, did you speak to any of the industry people while you were up there? Yeah, I did. I spoke with uh, one of the managers of this orchard. He's been working in the industry for more than 20 years. Um, the the owners were preparing for these meetings today, so we were out with the, the hard workers, those on the ground. But this manager says that the workers that um, were at this site, um, they treat every day um, like they are in Samoa. So they go to work um, as a group. And then when they go back to their accommodation, it is um, like they're going home to Samoa. And you hear all of these stories about um, workers being entrapped and not being able to leave. Um, But this particular workplace says that the workers want to keep on the straight and narrow path. They don't want to go out drinking and they don't want to be doing um, things that will breach their contract. And this is a way of keeping to that to sticking to that is, you know, by having curfews and going home, saying um, saying their prayers, being together and not leaving. But I did question him pretty hard on um, whether or not they, the workers felt entrapped by that and also um, stuck some hard questions in there about uh, whether or not workers are enslaved and he said that they are not. Yeah, yeah, I know um, some, of the, some of the conditions imposed on RSC workers are actually imposed by their own governments as well, which is a whole other thing. But, but we'll leave that for another day. Anything more about the uh, Ava ceremony that you can tell us about? Yeah, there are going to be um, chiefs there tonight. They're all preparing. I just hopped off the phone with um, one of the chiefs who's going to be um, um, speaking um, at part of the ceremony and he's um, brushing up on his Samoan after living here for many years. Um, and then tomorrow, of course, um, is going to be um, a chance for uh, industry leaders to put their questions to the Prime Minister. Um, tonight is, you know, a special occasion, um, very, very significant uh, for both the workers and the industry leaders. And then tomorrow, um, again, significant, but in a, in a different way in a different light because the workers um, will not be there they'll be working um, and the bosses will be there and should be able to ask questions and hear what the prime minister has to say in a more um, I guess formal setting. The president of the Commonwealth Lawyers Association says the Kiribati government must remember its obligations and commitment to the rule of law. Brian Spear was talking about a government tribunal investigating expatriate judge David Lamborn. The Kiribati government claims it is responding to complaints it has received about Mr Lamborn, but Mr Spear believes they are not following a fair process. 
He explained the association's concerns to Don Wiseman. Well, this was brought to the attention of the Commonwealth lawyers and some other legal organisations within the Commonwealth. And what stood out was that there appeared not to be a fair process being applied to this judge. Uh, And obviously the Commonwealth Lawyers Association, of which I'm president, um, stands for the rule of law, which includes a fair and appropriate process and an independent judiciary, properly and independently appointed, and with security of tenure. And in the case of this judge, there appears to be, on the face of it, grounds for concern that there has not been a proper fair process and there is some challenge to his security of tenure. What is it you want the Kiribati government to do? Well, it seems to me that I'm on my way to the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in uh, Rwanda next week, and the we should be talking about the rule of law, uh, we should be talking about positive aspects of the Commonwealth, and from so far as Kiribati is concerned, I struggle to see how it's in their interests that many of the legal organisations in the Commonwealth are uh, finding that their attention is drawn negatively to Kiribati on these important rule of law issues. What we would call upon the authority there to do is to take a step back, look at the international obligations of being a Commonwealth member, consider the rule of law implications of having a fair and appropriate process where a party facing allegations has a right to be heard and to present his uh, or her evidence in person, and that there's a right of appeal. And all of these matters are fairly fundamental rule of law issues that uh, the Commonwealth Lawyers Association would expect any Commonwealth member to adhere to. When you say that the Kiribati government is treating this uh, man unfairly, in what way? Well, on the information available to me, he has been uh, unable to return to uh, Kiribati. He has been unable to practice as a judge. There's a suggestion that he... Uh, was encouraged to sign a restricted tenure of appointment rather than being a life appointment. And there is a suggestion that his judicial salary has been withheld. Now, all of these matters are contrary to what are called the Latimer House principles on the independence of the judiciary, which require judges to be independent to have security of tenure. And if there are any issues regarding a judge's performance, to um, do so only for reasons of incapacity uh, rather than what is of concern here, that there seems to be some political unhappiness with the judge seeking to reduce his tenure and to apply pressure. The government has claimed that there were a number of complaints from the public and that that is what sparked this move by them. Well, uh, that may may well be the case, in which case there should be a proper and independent tribunal to consider it, and the government should act in accordance with well-recognised international and Commonwealth principles of due process. I understand that the Chief Justice, uh, in a judgment at the end of last year, uh, did find the action of almost disbarring him or attempting to, to be unconstitutional, and that in itself raises concerns about a fair and due process. And, and as I say, Dom, the, the issue is not for uh, this issue to be decided or judged in public, but it is of concern that 
of this attention from the Commonwealth lawyers is on uh, these aspects, which are somewhat negative. I, I urge the people who are in authority in Kiribati to uh, reflect on due process, rule of law, and their obligations as a member of the Commonwealth. The first sporting events for the Pacific mini-games kick off in CNMI tomorrow, even as delegations continue to arrive. Although the official opening ceremony is on Friday, tennis and baseball games get underway with an exciting Micronesian matchup on Thursday to start things off. Joining me from Saipan is RNZ Pacific correspondent Mark Rabago. Kia ora and welcome back on Pacific Waves. Mark, tell us more about this week's games. So the games are on, on starting apparently tomorrow. Uh, I think tennis will have its draws in the morning and they will be playing until 8 p.m. And baseball will have its first game between uh, Micronesian rivals CNMI or Team NMI, which is what they want to be called, and Guam, uh, defending gold medalist in the Pacific Games. So that's going to be like 7.30. So results won't be out until 9 or 9.30. Tennis will have some results. And then the opening game, the opening ceremony for the games will happen on Friday, starting at 5.30. So all roads in the, in the city by Royal Saipan will lead to the OEI Sports Complex for the opening. Well, there will be a lot of uh, the Parade of Nations, obviously. Uh, we have 20 countries coming in. I don't want to say everything because that's a mouthful. Over 1,200 athletes. Uh, let's say about 600 more officials, uh, technical delegates, and and officials from the South Pacific Games Council are coming in. And of course, their families, their friends, tourists, and just everybody who wants to partake in the games are coming in. Uh, so, what is uh, it, what is it about, like? What is it like? I mean, like lockdown, COVID all this time, and, and it must be such such a vibrant atmosphere. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because a year ago, everybody was masked, right? We had the opening, like the countdown ceremony at the same place where we're going to have our opening ceremony this Friday. Everything was, everybody was masked because obviously COVID was at its highest. And then right now, everybody, it's like, if you're masked, then you're weird. So it's opposite. So yeah, it's so nice that uh, we can finally go back to business, go back to living. And in this case, go back to playing sports. Um, opening ceremonies is going to be one hell of a event. I heard there are like, they spent tens of thousands or something in fireworks. I'm not sure how exact amount. They will have a parade of nations, obviously. So all colors, everybody from uh, the North Pacific down to the South Pacific, to the Western, to the Francophone nations will be there. Um, and we have a lot of Olympians coming in, especially with, uh, with weightlifting. Weightlifting is not just about the mini games. They'll also be competing in the Oceania Weightlifting Championships. That's all regions. So we have our record holders here some up-and-coming uh, weightlifters, those who are veterans of the Tokyo Olympics, and even uh, I think Eileen Chikamatuana is coming here, and she's a promising weightlifter. And uh, Paul Kofa, who's big in weightlifting here in the region, said uh, there might be a lot of records going to be broken during these games. Um, just in, talking about the games, uh, what, what sports are on offer? So we have baseball, badminton, beach volleyball, Outrigger canoe, golf, tennis, triathlon. And track um, and field, yeah? 
track and field, of course, athletics is there. So nine sports in all, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I went to uh, to tennis practice this last Monday, and the Davis Cup boys, uh, the tennis players who represented the region in the Davis Cup Pacific Oceania were there. Brett Baudinet, who's been the longest tenured Davis Cup player, not only in Oceania, but in the whole world. Uh, our pro player, Colin Sinclair, was there. Uh, Matthew Stubbings from PNG was there. And Clement Mangui from Vanuatu was there. And they were like, okay, okay, we're, we're teammates in Davis Cup, but we're out for the gold this time, so everybody. And uh, <laughs> there's an extra incentive for the CNMI to go to medal in any of these events because aside from the 5,000 I already mentioned, the governor just upped the ante and added another 1,000 for anybody who wants gold, who wins gold. So now anybody who wins gold will get $6,000. And it's quite funny because I was talking to Colin Sinclair and he said the most he ever got from playing the men's ITF Pro Tour was 2,500. And that's when he won, I think, in Venezuela. And that's, he won number four, number, he won the championship, but he only got two five. So this is clearly two, twice at stat and he's excited. Everybody's excited. Yeah, nah, sounds great. And we've got teams still arriving, though, uh, uh, this week. Uh, do we? Uh, delegation still coming in? Yes. So um, today, yesterday, there was Guam, Samoa, and Tonga, and then Solomon Islands with their mons- monstrous or gigantic mammoth, 120-person strong delegation came in. Tahiti, New Caledonia, and Wallis Futuna, the Francophone nations came today. And I heard that Tahiti hired, a, you know, chartered a, a Boeing a wide body just to came here. So to come here, it's one of the biggest planes to have landed here in CNMI. And uh, on, on Thursday, American Samoa is coming. And Australia is, and Norfolk Islands are coming on Saturday. And uh, yeah, that's the, 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 the day after opening. But most of the games are actually happening on Monday. Uh, there's some just games that those events that have a full schedule opted to play on the weekends and starting Friday. Apparently, cool. baseball, uh, baseball and uh, tennis can't wait uh, long enough. So they're playing on the day before the opening ceremonies. Yes. And, and when, um, how long do the games go for? So they're going to start officially with the opening ceremony on the 17th, but actual games on the 16th and then the 25th. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Fafetai telelava, tofasui fuwa.